Hey everyone, it's Alan Schimmel for DevOps.com, and you're listening to another DevOps chat. Lucky, lucky you folks out there because you're catching, I think, what will be one of the best chats of the year. I'm joined by my good friend and DevOps survey expert guru, just all around great person, Dr. Nicole Forsgren. Nicole, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. It's my pleasure to have you on, Nicole, and you, and you know I always get excited to have you on our show. Um, but, Nicole, double double whammy reason to be excited in that the survey is out. I know you put your heart, soul, and guts into this thing for 10 months, a year or so, and, you know, between, between drawing up the questions, getting the responses, analyzing them, doing the report, then talking about the report, it is... It's a lot of work. I don't know if people at home realize exactly how much. I, I know. I know every year it's so much. And every once in a while, I'm like, no more. It's, so I have one week where it's just crazy. And I'm like, I'm not doing it again. And two days, two days after release, I'm like, this is my favorite time of year. It's the best. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and you know, just, just for folks out there who, I don't know, maybe they're not familiar or they are familiar, but they don't know the whole story. You've been involved in the state of DevOps report now for is it it's six years? Yeah, this is six years. I've been lead investigator on the report. So it's it's the state of DevOps reports. It's the longest running, largest academically rigorous research into DevOps. And so when we say DevOps, we're talking about developing and delivering software with speed and stability in ways that drive business outcomes and capabilities and practices that are impactful. And when I say impactful, I mean things that are statistically significant. So when people say, you know, does this make a difference? Does CI actually matter? What type of automation is important? Do we care about trunk-based development? Everyone says culture is important. Does culture matter? And what type of culture? These are the types of things we've been researching for six years now. And it's, it's, when I say it's a huge study, we're, we've, we've hit over 31,000 data points now. And I, I keep talking. I'm so excited. No, no, go. <laughs> academically rigorous. When I started doing this, I was a professor. So this has been written up in academic peer review. But because we want to make an impact in industry and because we want everyone to be able to read it and access it and understand it, we trans- translate it, right? We, we make it accessible. So we put it out in the state of DevOps report. So it's, I sometimes joke, it's like an adult picture book. It's larger font, it's big print, it's graphs, it's charts. We do layout really carefully so that if you want, you know, some people print it out and they put it on the wall. You can screenshot it so you can put it in slide decks. So, and I also keep saying we. So um, historically, uh, some of like the Dora authors have been myself, uh, Jess Humble, Gene Kim. The authors this year are myself, uh, Dustin Smith. He's a new researcher. He uh, joined me. He's uh, with the team at Google Cloud. Jess Humble. And then this year we were also joined by Jesse Frizzell. Yes, absolutely. We, we ran, we covered that on DevOps.com, actually. I remember. Yes. A um, couple things, and, and, you know, to see you guys did the research here, but let's be clear. You could go to any DevOps event the world over, and I do mean the whole world over, and yeah. listen to a, a presentation. And 
you know, nine out of 10 dentists agree, nine out of 10 presentations <laughs> will have some, you know, metric from this survey that they use to cite as, as authority on, on, you know, where we are in DevOps, what is the state of CICD, et cetera, et cetera. So it really yeah, so is. It, so it comes out of the survey or it Accelerate, and it comes out of, so like you said, it could reference a DevOps event or an Agile event or a testing mm -hmm. event uh, because we do tend to cover so many things and we do cover them in a, in a very, very rigorous way, right? So it's not, uh, you know, the joke is, uh, lies, damn lies, and statistics, right? Yep. We do cover it in a very rigorous way, and we put it forward in, in like, the finding, the things that we find, and we say, this is what we find, and these are some of the limitations, and these are the evaluative criteria, right? Like, it does not include, like, this is not a, a typical vendor report, right? Like, we don't... Like, and that's important. Don't talk about tools. Now, and why don't we talk about tools? Some people are like, well, well, what tool should I use? I'm like, I, I don't know. What tool should you use? We say, okay. these, like, for example, CI. CI is predictive of better continuous delivery and better uh, speed and stability. Now, when you do CI, it should, every time you check in code, it should result in an automatic uh, build of the software. It should trigger automated tests. Uh, you should get results of your automated build and tests at least every day, and your developers should see that at least every day. So here's your four evaluative criteria. Now, whatever tools you want to use to use to, to do your CI, look at those four pieces. Now, I don't run through a set of tools because there's a million tools, and what happens when your tool comes out with a new release? It could change. I mean, well, not only that, I mean, so many you want to know... Today. Nicole, I'm, so I'm on the other side, right? I'm running this DevOps.com or media. We do cover tools. It's it's a little, it dirties the water. It muddies the water. Because then right away, people want to know what's your bias? Who's sponsoring? Who's, you know what I mean? I, I just, I, I kind of like it better. This And I think most people do. We're not looking for you to, to to pick one tool or this isn't a magic quadrant nonsense kind of thing well in this way i i don't have to keep up with uh tool set changes or feature set changes or versioning or who changes. bought who and and yeah, yeah. All of um, anyone can take those uh evaluative criteria they can apply it to whatever tool they want to use heck vendors can use it they can say if i'm building a tool this is what i should be looking at absolutely Absolutely. Let's let's talk. You mentioned lies, damn lies, statistics, math. <laughs> you know so what? Let, let, let's dig in on that a second because. So first of all, obviously you're a woman, right? And and I, it's great. We have a woman here talking math, and and for my <laughs> audience out there, you know what? You can grow up and be Nicole too, and and uh -huh. and so. It's encouraging, but too many people, Nicole, they, they see big numbers, and I don't know if it's the law of big numbers or what, but their eyes glaze over, yeah. and they don't recognize something that's kind of as plain as the nose on their face, right? So let, let's hit some of these highlights. 31,000 plus respondents over the last six years. Yeah, that's, that's a huge, I mean, that's a big pull, right? We've got a lot of data points around the world 
all industries. So it helps our data be more generalizable. So that that's kind of a research word. What that means is it, it means that there's a high likelihood that any of our findings will work for you, which is important to me because I used to be an engineer. I also was a consultant for a few years. And so often I would come forward with a proposal for a solution. And if it sounded hard, many times my manager or the lead on the project would say, oh, well, that won't work here. That only worked in the other team. Well, if my results are generalizable, that means it has a high likelihood of working in any team. Absolutely. Yep. So let me let me throw some more numbers out at you. Yep. Normalized annual deployments range from 1,460 deploys a year for high performers down to uh, seven for low performers, right? Seven deploys per year for low performers. Elite, perform, elite performers deploy code 208 times more frequently than low performers, according to the report. And here's another one, and, and from my mind, and I'll ask you, probably one of the most thought-provoking, controversial kind of stats in, in the report, and that is that 20% of respondents consider their organizations to be elite DevOps performers, up from 7% just last year, right? Now, guys, don't get hung up on the math here. Look at those numbers. They, they, they clearly say something, right? 1,460 deploys per year is roughly four a day, right? That's what our high performers are doing, four a day. Seven a year, maybe a little under two a quarter, right? This isn't calculus, okay? This is, this is plain arithmetic. Nicole, what about that 20% number, though? So, so that's interesting. Let me, let me take it back just a step. When we ask okay. people, how, so how do we come up with this classification of, low, medium, high elite performers. I ask people four questions about how they're developing and delivering software, what the outcome is, right? And so I say, how often do you push code, right? And, and the nice thing about that question is almost everyone can answer it at a very high level. Can you push code on demand, right? Can you do it when you want to? Uh, so that's kind of deploys like deploying on demand mm -hmm. multiple multiple per day ish can you do it on demand um do you do it about once between once a week and once per month sometimes people are like that's a really rough number and i'm like yeah it's a rough number but pretty much anyone can answer that are you between once a week and once a month right. you'll notice this is uh for for people who are kind of into math this is a log scale what i mean by log scale is it's increasing in big pieces on demand between once a day and once a week, between once a week and once per month, between once a month and once per six months, right? These yep. are getting bigger in big chunks, yep. which is nice because it gives me pretty good reliability. I'm not asking for, are you deploying uh, between one minute and two minutes, between two right. minutes and three minutes? People aren't good at that. Systems are good at that. People are not. So yeah. I'm asking in no, big These are pieces. big buckets. I mean, yeah, these are, and, and they're large increasing buckets. Yes. Agreed. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So then lead time for changes. That's the next question I ask. How long does it take to get from I commit code to code runs in production? Same type of buckets. It takes less than a day. It takes between a day and a week. It takes between a week and a month. It takes one to six months. People can about answer that question. Okay, then I have two stability-related questions. When 
something's broken or when something needs attention, how long does it take to fix? Less than an hour, less than a day, less than a week between one and six months. Same types of buckets, right? Now, change fail rate. When we introduce something to production, what's the likelihood that something goes wrong? Now, these buckets are basically like we put into about six buckets, right? So like zero to 15%, 15 to 30, right? Uh, 30 to 45, 40, 46 to 60. And people can generally bucket that in their heads. Then what we do is I take those four numbers and I <laughs> throw it into the, the stats hopper, uh, the stats bucket. And I, I, it's actually called a cluster analysis because we want to see how they cluster. So for people who answer those four questions, I, I say, how do those four questions at the team level, this is not at the organization level, because why? Let's think about organizations. Organizations have teams that operate at very different levels, right? If we think about especially big organizations, you have some teams that are super, super fast, and you have some teams that are kind of on the struggle bus, which is fine because we do things differently. So I analyze this at the team level, and then we say, okay, how do these four things fall out and it's important to investigate this because for a long time, for decades, a couple decades, we were always told that in order to be stable, we had to slow down, right? So you'll remember I said we had the speed metrics, how often do you deploy, what's your lead time for changes? Those are speed, those are throughput. And then we had stability, what's your time to restore and what's your change fail rate? Now, here's the interesting thing. For six years in a row now, those four things have always clustered together. They've always grouped together. Now, occasionally I have people say, you're, you're mistaking correlation for causation. This is not correlation. This is not causation. We are, we are observing in the data. No one, there are no trade-offs. Those things always group together. They are always clustering together. Yep. For six years in a row. Now, you also commented on, now, how do we get there? Everyone put a pin in that in your head. How do you get to better speed and stability together? Or conversely, how do you suck at all the things <laughs> at the same time? Okay, well, we'll get there. But now you noted, and this is super interesting and super important. We went from 7% of people being amazing at optimizing and speed and stability to 20%. That's an almost tripling. Now, some people are saying, how are they elite performers? I don't see 20% of people being elite. Now, this is a definitional thing. This is very much a, a research definitional thing. This doesn't mean that, uh, it, this is me also being a very nice mother. Like all of, I love all of my children. Everyone is, mm -hmm. I love everyone equally. All of my children are special, right? <laughs> uh, not everyone is going to be a Netflix type of, you know, like, organization deploying a thousand times a day remember that definition of elite was you can deploy on demand multiple times a day it could be two or three or four times a day which was how we did the math because we were like we're going to be conservative we're going to we'll call it four times a day i i and i say this in the report i randomly picked a number i said four four seems reasonable some of these companies are deploying thousands of times a day i picked four I, look, I personally think four times a day is amazing if you're deploying. Yeah, oh, that seems amazing. But some companies are doing thousands. Okay, so when okay. I say elite, I'm not saying elite is thousands. I'm saying on demand and four seems fine. Lead time for changes is less than a day. I didn't say it had to be 10 seconds, right? 
but that is also my upper limit because of how I'm collecting my data. I'm not collecting my data from systems. I'm not saying that elite is five seconds versus 10 seconds because I cannot ask a person. And who is right? right? Or, or I can't ask a person five that. seconds versus 10 seconds. I can but, only but, ask less than a day. But let's put that in context. Yep. So elite, elite performers do it in less than a day. Low performers are something like 2,500 hours. So low, yes, low performers are between one month and six months. This is still a huge. You're talking a day. So I, we don't need computer precision to the millisecond. No, nope. nope. we're talking nope. a day versus months. And months. you don't have to be a genius to see the difference there. Exactly. And the great thing is that this is absolutely achievable. And mm -hmm. think about what this means for your companies. If you go from deploying code two, three times a year, to being able to push code in less than a day and every single day. Some people are like, oh, I don't need to push features that often to my customers. That's great. But you know what you probably do need to do is keep up with compliance and regulatory changes. Yep. You need to keep up with security threats. You need to keep up with infrastructure. This allows you to pivot anytime you need to pivot. This allows you to keep up with so many things in your environment. I gave a great talk at Black Hat with Kelly Shortridge, and she pointed out that one of the best things you can do to be a pain in the butt for, for security is to re-roll your infrastructure because every time you re-roll a, con a container or re-roll your IP is a, an attacker has to completely start over from scratch now. Yeah. This is so smart and so good. Well, that was one of the great things about immutable infrastructure, right? Exactly. Is you can absolutely just, you know, start from, let them start back, you know, pull the rug out from under the, the hacker. Um, I mean, but it, it's such a, yeah, these numbers, like you said, you see these clusters always come together. Yep, yep. These, they always follow each other. So time to remediation, right, becomes such a huge thing. Failure rates drop through the floor when yep. we start doing this. You know, and, and and I love that you point out when we compare the high and the low performers, our speed metrics, our elite performers are two hundred eight times. They're seeing two hundred eight times more frequent code deployments. One, they're one hundred six times faster code commit to deploy. The stability metrics are huge. The elite performers are over twenty six hundred times faster recovered from incidents and. They see seven times lower change fail rate. This this is huge. I mean, those are real. Can I throw one other thing at you? Know, yeah, yeah, of course. These people who tell you our customers don't care if we update frequently, it's not important. I used to believe them, Nicole. But I've come to the conclusion that they're full of crap. That's arrogant elitism at its worst. And if you don't think your customers want you to stay on top of things and be current and constantly improving, Show me who you are because I can't wait to disrupt you and take your customers from you. Well, and, right. and it's, it's I, interesting. I, I don't buy I, that anymore. I have spoken with one or two um, government and military contractors who have said, we, we live in a different space. I do yes, not have a do. customer. I, well, and they've said, I have a customer that doesn't require a, a feature change. And I've said, bless. No, they right? do. I, I've sold well, to the military for sure, years. Sure. They want, you know what? And believe it, as counterintuitive as it may be, the military 
and I, I've sold to all of our armed service divisions as well as the Secretary of Defense at, at the Pentagon. They, they in, all, in a lot of ways, lead because their requirements are constant. This is why they have things like DISA and they have things like InQtel that are investing in and oh, absolutely the next gen because their requirements are constantly pushing the envelope. oh sure but but to that person in particular i did have someone come up to me after a talk and say i i actually do not have any competitors i do not have featured no they do it's a single and, world well, but but that to him i said it. okay sure but you do have compliance and regulatory changes and you do have security changes and, and you have changing missions yeah. Their mission changes. They need so again, I, I just I don't buy those people. I think that arrogance is 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 misplaced. Well, but it was interesting because as soon as I pointed out compliance and regulatory and security, he said, Oh, that's oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we struggle with. Yep, I, I agree with you. So a couple other things I want and we're running low on time. I yep. apologize. Yep. We're gonna go over the <laughs> So, you know, this is the this is the first year or the day was Google Cloud involved? Well, Google Cloud was a major sponsor last year. Yeah, we collaborated with them this year, or last year. And then right. this, is, this is the first year that we've uh, we joined so Google Cloud. So let's talk about what they brought to the party. Uh, so they were just a wonderful uh, partner, partner this year. Uh, what I really appreciated about working with them this year is they still allowed me full research independence. And yeah. it was fantastic to work with them. Well, it also seems like they've brought, they've given you the ability to add more resources. Yeah. Um, I really loved process. being able to work and collaborate with uh, Dustin Smith this year. He brought a fantastic eye for research and uh, analysis this year. He has a, a phenomenal, phenomenal statistics background. And it was, it was almost like being back in academia again, where I could have another academic, he has a PhD. Yeah, so I had like a full yeah. academic peer where I used to be able, when I was a professor, like walk next door and bounce ideas off of someone and have someone uh, replicate every single one of my analyses. Now in the past, I used to pull former PhD students to replicate a handful of my findings, but as a tiny startup, you're real scrappy. This yeah. year, I had Dustin and he replicated every single one of my findings. And then he came up with new ideas and like we could really spitball off of each other. And we had full peer review on every single one of our analyses. It was like, it was no, just this, like, I mean, academic research dream. It was wonderful. You know, but th this is for, for entrepreneurs out there, for people in startups listening to this, this is one of the great things about when you do do a, you know, a merger or acquisition, whatever you um, the idea that you now have peers yes. to, to, to bounce around stuff with, to, to collaborate with. Because, you know, startups, we run lean and mean. And, and, <laughs> but sometimes it's, it, that's a code word for by yourself. And, yep, and, yep. And, and, and so that, you know, it, it's not as cool. Um, I, I just want to mention, you know, quick commercial. We're doing the DevOps experience that's coming on, I think it's October 10th. Nicole, you're headlining. You're going to go into greater detail on this. So if anyone's listening. Yes, yes. Okay. And, and this year for the first time. So in years previous, we've always investigated performance, how mm -hmm. to make software development and delivery uh, both fast and stable. This year in 2019, for the first time, we also dug into productivity. 
So we have two full research models. So I will be sure to dig into that. Absolutely. So you can check that out on devopsexperience.io. It's a, this is a virtual event, guys. You can watch it from your, from your desktop. Secondly, Nicole, I guess the obvious question is, all right, what's the time frame for next year? Oh, well, I need to take a nap first. Okay. <laughs> but we, we tend to release the report uh, late August. So I'm, I'm guessing that, that neighborhood, that time frame. Well, that'll be the report. But when do we start? When do the next year's survey questions come out and <laughs> all of that good stuff? So we usually uh, release the survey and collect data in March, April time frame. Yep. So I'm, I'm guessing that as well. So are you already working on next year's questions? I mean, I've got a couple ideas in the back of my head, but I uh, research is a very creative process. So I try to take at least a month to just like un unwind my brain. Yep, and then, well, and then well Dust Dustin and I and, and the team will will start kind of opening our brains again. Luckily, we will we will be at DevOps Enterprise Summit, where we'll be giving a talk. Dustin and I are speaking, and then that's and one that of the is best October places. October twenty eighth and 29th at the Cosmopolitan in Las Vegas, and you can yep. get information, I guess, at IT Revolution. Yep. And that's a fantastic opportunity for us to, like, attend talks, speak to everyone who's really involved in transformation, the wins, the questions, the challenges. That's where we, that's where I get so much inspiration. I get, a, all, like, all of it year-round. I've got, like, my favorite Google Doc where I keep track of ideas. Mm -hmm. But that's where I get a lot of the stuff that people don't necessarily share out in the wild. That's where I get a lot of my really great research ideas. We'll be broadcasting live from there, so you'll have to come down and do a, a quick little live interview. Yeah, for sure. Digital anarchist. Um, very cool. Can't wait to see you there. So, Nicole, I apologize. I told you this was going to be 15 minutes, and I think we ran 30-something. But, but <laughs> it was well everyone. worth it. It was well worth it. Hey, I will we'll see you on DevOps Experience. I will see you in person at the DevOps Enterprise Summit in Vegas at the end of October. And, but in the meantime, go take some well-deserved rest time, my friend. You did Thanks good. Thanks so much. Thank you. Dr. Nicole Forsgren, founder, CEO of, of Dora, part of Google Cloud, our guest on this DevOps chat. This is Alan Schimmel for DevOps Chat, DevOps.com. Have a great day, everyone. <laughs>